Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Thursday. It is the 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and you know what that means. This program is sponsored by P4P Muscle, the number one drug-free sponsorship in the world. If you are a drug-free athlete or just happen to love a drug-free athlete or follow a drug-free athlete and want to find a solid foundation to stand on or point them in the same direction and a vehicle to drive your goals like a Mack truck through ice cream, then check us out at P4PMuscle.com. And now let's talk. I am Desiree Fletcher Carruthers, and my cohort is Kaylin Patterson, and together we are P2P Real Talk, and uh, Kaylin will be joining us shortly. So I know you guys love all his voices he does with the opening, and clearly I do not have the same talent that he has, but I thank you for hanging in there with me anyway and just following along with the chitter-chatter and the banter, and we are going to have a good show tonight. You know I say that every show, but every show it is absolutely true. And tonight we've got a show on a little different spin. We are going to be talking about homesteading and bees and just things that you guys probably don't even think about But I feel like this type of opportunity is becoming more and more popular, and we're seeing more individuals that are getting back to the earth and back to our roots. And, yes, I said roots, and if you happen to be one of those that thinks food comes from a grocery store, you would only be partially right. You have to understand how the food even gets to the grocery store. And unfortunately, while you guys may think I am just joking, there are seriously people out there who don't understand that food just doesn't spontaneously combust and appear in a grocery store or that it doesn't come from a manufacturing plant. Not all of it. Some of it has to start in the ground with roots, like it has always been grown. And so to help us get a picture for how this is happening today, how it can have a beneficial impact on your health and your life, we have, I'm going to call her a homesteader. I don't know that's officially her title, but we're going to figure out what that is. But her name is Sarah Todd, and she is with the Holton Homestead. And we're going to be talking all things I don't know, I guess farming or homesteady. I'm, I'm not really sure what I'm going to call this. But anyway, Sarah, introduce yourself to Listener Land and uh, start us off on this journey. Hey, guys. I am so excited for this opportunity. Side note, I'm a huge podcaster, so when I had this opportunity, I was super pumped to be on one. So, yes, all <laughs> things homesteading, and I totally love the title Homesteader. So shout out to Mark, who always calls and says, how's it going, homesteader? <laughs> so uh, you guys, like five years ago, I never, ever, ever would have, like, thought this would be what I was doing. 
So let me just tell you a little bit about myself, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about my other half, Tyler. So my name's Sarah. I'm 27 years old. This all just started randomly. We used to live in town. I know a lot of you are probably local, so you're familiar with the town of Ainsley. But that's where I was born and raised. And Tyler and I bought a house in Ankeny several years back. Um, we used to be really big into fitness, you know, weight loss, eating healthy, healthy eating. Uh, we did the paleo diet. And I'll tell you how this all started. We were doing CrossFit. We were at a CrossFit gym in town. And it was right next door to Tractor Supply. And... <laughs> One day we come out of our CrossFit workout and I see that Tractor Supply is doing chick days. If you don't know what chick days is, that means they have little tiny baby chicks, chickens for sale. I was like, hey, Tyler, let's go buy some chicks. Also, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's not allowed in Ankeny. Chickens are not allowed in Ankeny, but we had a big fenced in backyard we thought we could get away with it so we go next door to tractor supply we buy six chicks that's how this whole thing started um we also had the world's worst neighbor who someday i will write a book about um but she made it her job yes (laughs) she made it her job to like pretty much run us out of town she would call the cops on us every single day because of these chickens um so we decided to start looking for somewhere else to live after this went on for several years and the universe spoke to us and my best friend's grandpa was selling his place and it was on the market for about four hours and we live here now so uh, we had zero intentions of doing this for anybody else but ourselves tyler fell in love with the property because it had a full full grown apple tree (laughs) Um, we just bought the place and we wanted to be more like self-sustainable and eat good food and, you know, where food came from, but apparently it caught other people's interest because it kind of blew up. So now we have a Facebook page and a business and we do farmer's markets and all kinds of stuff. And I have to tell you, the first time we sold at a farmer's market was actually the first time we had ever been to a farmer's market. <laughs> so it's a little crazy. But, All um, right. Well, we, I mean, that, that's pretty awesome. Yes. So right now, um, well, and so Tyler, he is 30 years old. Um, we just We just love, like, the country life and... You know, it's literally like homesteading is back to your roots, exactly what you said. So, so back to your roots. So I guess this just means, did they used to call, this is probably a stupid question, but did they used to call farmers homesteaders or is this just a newer, sexier term for a small farmer? A mom and pop farm. You no, know, I kind of feel like it's a. I kind of feel like it's a newer. It's an old term that's kind of been brought back to life. But for me personally, I feel like homesteading is more like a broader spectrum. Whereas when I think of a farmer, I kind of think of like, you know, just animals and just like row crops and stuff like that. So I feel like homesteading is a little more broad. If okay. that answers because your you question. do. do. <laughs> 
it does. It does. And you do do a lot more than just, you know, farming row crops or corn or soybeans or wheat or what we might think today's farmer actually does who's not in California where they do grow the majority of our produce. But um, I know our listeners, they always like to – do a little sleuthing while they're listening to the show, if they're able to. So why don't you go ahead and tell us how they can find you on Facebook and also where your website is so they can go ahead and be taking a look at some of the things you do while we're going to talk about some of the things you do. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We love snoopers. So you can find us. Um, our website is www.holtonhomestead.com. That's H-O-L-T-O-N. And our Facebook is the Holton Homestead. So, and we also have an Instagram too, if that's your thing. So, same thing, the Holton Homestead for Instagram. All right, awesome. So, I know you do a lot of different things, um, but one of the things that I want to talk about off of the bat because I just find this so intriguing. And actually, so guys, her her other half, Tyler, he's actually the homestead of this or the Holton of this group. So Tyler Holt is his name, and he is actually – and is he in California or Florida right now? He's in California right now. He's been in California since the end of January. So it's been okay. a little lonesome he here at the homestead. It's been a little lonesome for you at the homestead, but he's there for a purpose, <laughs> and I believe it has something to do with bees. So I definitely want to hear more about – because you guys do a ton with honey – um, you have different kinds of honeys, you have facial scrubs, soaps, this, that, and the next thing, all these things that you make, but then he's also out there learning. I'm not even sure what he's learning, but he's doing something with bees, <laughs> so I want to know more about all of this, too. Yeah, so a little backstory on the bees. Um, I would actually be a third-generation beekeeper, my grandpa Todd had bees here in town, and my dad used to sell honey at the Ankeny Farmer's Market um, just out of the bed of his truck. So that's pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, my yeah. grandpa died a long time ago, and I did not get to do beekeeping with him, but I kind of wanted to live on the legacy, and I was super interested in beekeeping once we got this property out here and we were able to have bees. So in 2016, I decided I wanted to take a beekeeping class um, at the DMAC campus. And I didn't even was, know that was I don't a thing. Know. Yeah, that's totally saying it's it's happening. It's probably already over right now, but every year our friend Andy, um, he teaches a class at DMAC, and Andy's actually the state apius. So that's super cool. You're learning from like the number one person. Um, and that happens about January every year at DMEC. So that's the class we took. And, you know, Tyler decided he wanted to go to class with me a couple times. And he absolutely fell in love with the class. And uh, for Valentine's Day that year, I got a beehive. <laughs> so oh, okay. uh, that's kind of how it started. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then actually in April of 2016, I broke my foot. So I was off to a really good start as a farmer, walking around with a cast on my foot. Uh, we we were supposed to be starting the bees, and I was pretty much worthless at that point. So Tyler had to do everything, 
and he would give me, like, piggyback rides to the hive and stuff, but he pretty much just took it over and ran with it, and now it's, like, his thing. He's totally in love with the bees, and he wants to go way beyond being a back-end beekeeper. He wants to be, like, a commercial beekeeper. So right now he is in California, and he met some friends online and one of his friends is actually a broker in California I know that's pretty much a foreign language to you guys so um little little information for you California produces about 80 percent of all of the almonds in the world so there's a lot of almond orchards out in California and basically the almond growers uh, hire brokers, which is what Tyler's friend would be considered as a broker. And then these brokers find beekeepers from all over the country to bring their bees to the growers' almond orchards because the almond trees depend on the bees for pollination to produce the almond nut. So pretty fascinating stuff. That's where 80% of all the almonds come from is California. So they need the bees. So our bees no are out doubt. there right now. And yeah, it's crazy stuff. It's actually mind-blowing. So our bees are out in California right now. And, oh, my gosh, there's, like, millions of hives or millions of bees out there right now, lots of hives out there. Uh, so if you do the math, it's two beehives per acre of almonds. So tons of hives are out there right now to do the pollination. So Tyler's okay, friend. Okay, so wait, I got. I just have to jump in here real quick before you finish yeah. the story. Sorry. So put a put a mental finger on where you are in this story. But so he just packed up your beehives. I don't even know how many this is or how many bees make up a hive, but I'm curious. So he just <laughs> packed up all these little guys and he flew them out to California, and now he's rotating them around almond groves in California, and so. Okay, so how many bees make up a hive? How many hives did you take? And how do you know you're getting your bees when you come home? Okay, that's super funny. Everybody asks this question. How do you know you're getting your bees back? Okay, so, yes, our bees, uh, we had, I want to say, like, okay, so in the commercial world of beekeeping, a pallet is four hives. So I think we had about eight pallets. So eight times four, what is that, 32? 32, yeah. There's probably only like 32 hives that went out for us, which isn't really that much in the grand scheme of things. And our bees actually went with another large beekeeper from the area. So Tyler is not working with our bees specifically, um, but they are out there. So bees are super fascinating. They pretty much have like GPS. When they leave their hive, they will come right back to that location after they're done foraging for the day. So if you are to if you move that beehive in the middle of the day, by the evening, you'll have this pile of bees sitting there wondering where the heck their home is because they fly right back to the exact same spot. Which is super cool too because oh. if you have like a really weak hive that needs more bees, you can like literally swap the spot from a, a strong hive to a weak hive. And all of those bees will fly into the weak hive and make it strong again. So bees are super it's fascinating. It sounds like a, a bee jacking, which 
which is different. <laughs> I mean, so how many bees make up a hive? How do you even get started with a hive? You buy your bees from somewhere? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways you can start a hive. Um, the most common way here in Iowa is going to be what they call a package. So a package is one queen bee and then about three pounds of bees. That's how they weigh it is by the pound. So I don't actually know how many bees that is, but it's a lot because it weighs three pounds. Um, and yeah, so no you'll put, yeah, you'll put that queen in a hive with all of her workers and then they'll just go to work on that hive and they'll build the comb and they'll do everything that they need to make the hive. Or you can buy what they call a nuke. And so a nuke is um, kind of the same thing, except it's further along. A nuke is like a mini hive. So it has um, frames that are already like drawn out. They already are laying eggs. They're already working. So you can transfer those frames that they're already working on into a bigger hive, and then they'll just expand from there. I feel like huh. I'm speaking a foreign language, but hopefully you guys are following along. <laughs> you kind of are, but I, you know, I think I've got it. And hopefully if our listeners have any questions for clarification, they will let us know. A couple of points of clarification, though, that you guys might be wondering. So Ankeny is in Iowa. And that's near Des Moines. So if you weren't familiar with the Ankeny she's talking about, um, that's where we're at. And actually, Sarah, we've got listeners all around the world, so there's probably a pretty good chance nobody knows where Ankeny is, and that's okay. Um, and then <laughs> DMAC stands for Des Moines Area Community College, and that's where she had taken her B class at. So those were the only two things that kind of stuck out in my head that you might have questions on. So, um so there you have that. And actually, we do have a question here before we get back to your story about Tyler and the almond trees in California. Um, this one is from Lisa, and she's asking, how at risk are we to losing bees? Are they really as close to extinction as being presented? Which I, you know, I kind of wondered if this whole bee thing that Tyler is doing is kind of um, in response to the lower number of bees that are out there that they actually have to start, you know, bringing in other people's bees just to make sure that, you know, pollination and food production happens the way that we need it to. You are absolutely right. So, yes, Lisa, hopefully this answers your question. Uh, the bees are at risk. Um, if you talk to a beekeeper who kept bees in the 70s, they would have, like, no idea the problems that we deal with today. Um, the number one issue for beekeepers is the varroa mite. Uh, so that is a little pesky mite that lives on the bees. Um, they lay their eggs inside where the bees lay their eggs, and they can cause all kinds of problems with uh deformities and they just they really take a toll on the hives so if you're not treating for mites your bees aren't going to survive which is really unfortunate because you know Tyler and I are the kind of people who want to keep everything natural and not have chemicals and that kind of stuff but basically if you're not treating that hive for mites your hive's not going to make it in most cases I know hmm. some people will argue you know other but Yes, mites are a huge problem. And then, yes, so um, as far as, like, growers who need pollinators, you're right. They're not just – they're not readily available 
um, you have to you have to ensure that things are going to get pollinated. So you have to bring the bees in and pretty much take the matters into your own hands if you want to make sure that things are getting pollinated because they're just not happening anymore. And actually, like, I, I'm i not an expert by any means, but um, being out in California, because I did go out there for a week and kind of seeing seeing it firsthand, you know, I have a, I have a real problem with all of the chemicals that are required for us to grow our food. I just, I kind of think it's crazy because I feel like all we care about is high yields. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they use a lot of chemicals out there. Uh, they use a lot of chemicals in the almond orchards. And I know, I know that the growers try really hard to follow the directions that are provided by the chemical makers, um, like herbicides and pesticides and fungicides, all of those things get used out there. Um, some say that they're safe for the bees and they don't kill them. Uh, I feel like that's up for debate. But, you know, if, if they're spraying all these things, the bees don't want to be around them and they're they're not going to pollinate a bloom that has that stuff on them. So I kind of feel like it's counterproductive and I personally feel like it's harmful to the bees, even though other people would say, you know, differently. So that's kind of my take on it. There's a lot of there's a lot of influences as far as, um, you know, losing the bees. Wow. I mean, there is so much just to think about. And, you know, almonds are expensive enough. And, you know, I just always thought it was because of the nature of the plant. But when you're putting in, you know, pricing for a process like this to actually fly in bees just to make sure that they get the trees get pollinated so that we can have a nut, I mean, that just helps to paint that picture of why some foods are so much harder to produce than others. I mean, and bees really are so important. And um, this question is from Dale. He says, wait, bees have bugs on them? And evidently, Dale, they do. Little mites, it sounds like when you were talking about deformities, that's, that's for the baby bees that are hatching out, I'm assuming, is they affect the larvae more than anything, or do they also really impact the adult bees' health? Yeah, so as a, it'll be affected, you know, throughout the whole growth, so they won't develop their wings um, correctly. I, and oh, the no. actual, sci- the scientific term is slipping my mind, but um, basically if they don't have wings, they can't fly, they can't forage, they can't, they're not even a useful bee at that point. So if your bees can't go do the things that they need to do, they're not going to make it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for clarifying that, and thanks for the question, Dale. So we've got some questions piling up, but I feel like we really need to finish the Tyler story, and then we're going to get <laughs> to these other questions. So I don't know how much longer the Tyler story is going to take, but now's your chance, if you remember where you left off, to, to get us yeah. to where we were going with that. Yeah, I love all the questions, by the way. I love that people are engaged. Um, I do want to clarify on one thing, because you said fly the bees out there. Um, I don't want people to be confused. They actually do go on a semi, so they are, oh, okay. you know, trekked out to California, just so people aren't like, what? We're flying hives out there. Anyways, back <laughs> okay, to the California Sorry, story. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. People, I just don't want people getting crazy ideas. So, yes, Tyler is in California right now. Um, so, he is working with a broker. His friend's name is Ethan. So, 
what those guys are doing is they are coordinating with beekeepers from all over, and they're placing these bees in these growers' orchards. So they're responsible for getting them here, unloading them, feeding them, placing them. They're pretty much in total, like they're taking care of these bees 100%. And then as soon as the bloom is over, which is about now, so basically the bees are only in the orchard as long as the almond tree is blooming. So as soon as the bloom is over, they have to work really hard night and day to get all these bees out of there because the growers want to spray more chemicals and they don't want to kill the bees. So these guys have to hurry, get the bees out of there. So that's their job. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy how much money and how many people and how many beekeepers are involved in growing almonds specifically. So that was all mind blowing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I still find that whole process pretty amazing. And this is just almonds. So I imagine there's a whole slew of other, you know, produce, nuts, whatever has a bloom or whatever yes. you have to use a bloom in order to produce the fruit or the nut or whatever it might be, um, that they're doing the same thing with because there is a shortage of bees right now. And, and frankly, I don't know that there's any solution to that. And I, I really haven't read anything that says that there is. Maybe you know something differently, but, you know, that just adds to – the whole question about our food security, the price of food, and just crazy to know that this type of thing goes on just so we can eat certain foods, fresh foods, natural yeah. foods. Yeah, I love telling people about this because this is something that nobody thinks about. So, yeah, this is I'm specifically talking about almonds, but this thing happens for citrus. It happens for blueberries. It happens for all kinds of other crops that you don't even think about. So I love sharing this kind of stuff with people because it's kind of mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. I know my mind's blown, but uh, here we go because we've got <laughs> questions out there. Our listeners are tuned in, so let's get this going. So Shelby wants to know, organic honey, real honey, honey, what's the difference between all these different labeled honeys that are available to us? Yes, I love this question. Thank you so much, Shelby, for asking this. So. All right, you guys, real talk, organic honey right. is just a marketing label. There is no such thing as organic honey because unless you have GPS trackers on every single one of your little bees, which you don't because that's impossible, you have no idea what they are actually bringing into the hives. Therefore, you have no idea what your honey is actually being made from so if you're paying extra money for a label that says organic that's a waste of money what you really need to do on facebook or find a local farmer's market find a local beekeeper in your area that is where your good honey comes from local is key and for all of you people i'm just going to keep going on a rant here for all of you people who are wanting to use honey for your allergies a 20-mile radius is going to be the best thing for your allergies. So local honey, 20-mile radius, that's what you want. Okay, so why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of our listeners probably don't even know that honey can 
help with allergies in some instance. And I know you're not a health expert, but you are a honey expert. So maybe just give us a 30,000-foot view of how honey could help individuals who have allergies. Yeah, absolutely. So your bees are going to be making honey off of local plants, weeds, flowers, things around them. So bees can fly up to a five-mile radius, but actually they're probably staying more in like a one-mile radius from where they are. But it's safe to say that, you know, the weeds and flowers and stuff in that area are pretty similar throughout the 20-mile radius. So they're bringing Mm. all of that pollen into the hive that that's how so basically when you're consuming the local honey like that you're consuming micro doses of local pollen so if you have those pollen allergies um that's kind of how you can overcome it is you're having local things in your area and you like the micro dosage help you overcome it i don't know that doesn't sound very scientific but that's what's happening that's okay. It doesn't have to have scientific, <laughs> sound scientific if that's what's <laughs> happening. And I think you answered Linda's question because she was wondering why the 20-mile radius. So it, it basically comes down to, you know, if your allergies are probably being triggered by whatever is within that 20-mile radius, and that's where the bees are probably pulling most of their pollen. But I understand they can fly far and will fly far to get pollen if it's not readily available in their area. Yes, up to five miles. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. All right, next question. This is from Brian. He's saying, with all this weird weather, how has this been affecting all insects, not just bees, if you feel like you can answer that? I really can't speak for other insects, but I can tell you that this whole year has been crazy for bees. Um, You know, and... It's really hard, like, when we have, so in the spring, when we have, like, a, a blast of warm air, you know, all the all the bees, and I, I'm guessing other insects, too, uh, you know, they're out and about, and they're, they're thinking, okay, spring's coming, but then as soon as we get that, you know, drop of coldness again, it, it kind of, like, stuns and a lot of times kills the bees specifically, I mean, it's crazy because we'll have a hive that has made it all the way through these horrible winters and then come March or early April when there's this crazy up and down of weather, that's when they die. And that is really sad to me hmm. that they made it through all the horrible coldness and then just those huge temperature fluctuations can really mess them up. And that's what gets it. Because basically bees hibernate through the winter, I think is what you're saying. Um. Okay, so kind of. Uh, they they kind of like slow down, yes, like hibernation, um, but they are still they are still very much alive and they are eating. And actually, this is a fun fact for you. Bees can keep their hive because they kind of like vibrate and then that makes the heat. So what they do is all mm. the worker bees will cluster around the queen to keep her warm. Um, they'll keep the hive at around 90 degrees, and that's actually, like, the wow. temperature that it stays all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, shoot. If my kids could vibrate like that and keep the house warm, that would be pretty darn awesome. But I only have three. I don't think I have quite the numbers that a, bee, <laughs> a beehive has. So there you have it. 
All right, this next question is from Holly. She's asking, how important is honey to a diet, and is the sugar worth its consumption? Do you have any thoughts um, on that? You know, I'm, I'm, not a diet, I'm not a dietitian, so you know, I don't really have much to contribute to this question, but I, I do find that it is very important to a lot of people, even though it does have high sugar content, you know, there's a lot of benefits out of it. There's a lot of health benefits to honey. Um, again, for the allergies, there's just, a, I think there's a lot of health benefits that outweigh the fact that it's high in sugar. I don't know if that's helpful at all. Holly, sorry. <laughs> no, but I think, I think that perspective is, and also I would say, Holly, that you know, it all depends on what your health goals are and if you're counting macros, you know, if you're in the middle of a prep, if you're training or whatever it might be. But when it comes to sugars, if you're going to be dealing with a sweetener, it's almost better to use a natural sweetener like honey than it is any other, you know, sugar-like substance or even cane sugar itself that you might use otherwise unless you totally have just cut all sweeteners out of your diet, which then again, it's still a natural sugar. I mean, if you're eating fruit, you're still getting a natural sweetener, a natural sugar in there as well. So, you know, in my book, as long as it's natural, your body knows what to do with it. And if you're not overdoing it, you know, um, and whatever overdoing it might be for you, I'm not sure, I I don't see that it can be a super huge negative, but Kaylin, what are your thoughts on that? Well, with everything I've heard about honey, it's always saying that you know the 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 the, the risks are better than than uh, than a lot of people understand because it is a natural sugar and it's so many health benefits from honey that they outweigh any harmful effects from the from the sugar intake so it's actually on the plus side even though it might seem like a negative i know sugar has been demonized a lot but i don't think people are really given the proper information to understand why sugar is a demon because you know we we don't think about sugar and and fruits we don't think about sugar from honey and and these things have been consumed for millennia you know, by humans, and it's never been an issue until we removed everything good from the the, the fruits and the, and the honey, and just dealt with straight sugar. And then suddenly, now it's the demon. And and you know, if nothing's stopping that process, it's an immediate response to the body. And then everything goes out of whack because now we we're like little kids with that sugar rush, and there's no with the amount of sugar we intake, it's just incredibly yes. hard to to make that yep. work for the body and and still and be I, functional. Go ahead. Yep, no, I was gonna say I think that's really the key that you're pointing out there. It's the amount of sugar that we take in and also the type. So again, there's a difference between natural sugars like you're gonna get from honey and fruits and whatnot, and then processed sugar. But we have incorporated sugar into almost everything that we eat and drink and it's you know, there's <laughs> over ninety names out there for sugar. High, fruit, high fructose corn syrup is one of the biggest culprits. So if you're eating anything processed, odds are sugar is in it. And when you start just piling it up, if it's in your cereal, you know, it's in your bread, and it's also, you know, your body's converting breads and, you know, other um, 
junk carbs into sugar in your body as well if you're not burning that. So we just got sugar, 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 sugar all over the place, and it's just too much. It's really just too much, and then you've got inflammation and all these other other issues that, you know, the sugar rush, if you will, will cause. And so, you know, again, I'm in my book, if it's natural and if everything is in moderation, and that even includes moderation, it's, I, I can't say that the cost, you know, that it's not worth it if you're going to have it somewhere and plus the health benefits. But again, I don't know what your story is, if you're counting macros, if you're just trying to eat healthy in your everyday life, but honey would be a good sweetener. So hopefully we haven't talked too much around that subject, but just a lot of different things to think about there. Um, So getting back to Sarah and the bees in our questions, this one is from Brenda. She's saying we hear all kinds of information uh, speaking for or against climate change, how has it affected or even been a problem for the bees? Are the weed killers and herbicides more dangerous for them versus the the, the weather, the climate change? I think they're all huge factors. I really do. Um, you see the huge weather weather changes as it far as temperatures in the fall and in the spring. Those are very hard on the bees. Um, and yeah, all the weed killers and stuff, I mean, people don't think twice about spraying their dandelions or spraying their yard. I mean, nobody, nobody even bats an eye at using a lot of pesticides and, you know, nobody sees like the full circle of what they're doing. Um, I'm going to speak about the dandelions here for a second. So, uh, dandelions are the first food for the bees for the year. So oh, wow. um, maybe, like, keep your roundup to yourself this spring and let the dandelions grow and think of the bees this year. <laughs> oh, roundup. Hashtag oh. yeah. dandelions. You know, the, the very serious yard keepers are not going to be happy about can, that. Can I advice. jump in? But, yeah, jump in, jump in. Um, That roundup, I mean, it's it's really taken a beating because there's so many harmful things uh, being found to be involved with that. And one of the things that has been really shocking, and it's something that seems so simple, we, why didn't we make this connection before, with the sickness and ailments in children that run barefoot over that roundup and yes. it's being put in people's lawns. And yes. they're even suffering the harmful effects. I can only imagine what that's doing to be. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I yeah. actually took a picture when I was in California. I took this picture, and I, I have been debating on posting it or not because it, it's really sad to me. So outside of a hive, there's this pile of dead bees. Uh, and if you've seen a close-up picture of a bee, um, they have, like, yellow, bright yellow or really colorful saddle bags. Um, that is going to be the pollen that they're bringing in. So this picture was a picture of a pile of dead bees with all this pollen on their legs. Um, so basically they were they were killed working. Um, that was a sign of being killed by some sort of chemical. Um, so that was really, oh. that was hard to see, you know, somebody's, bees all dead outside their hives. I don't know. That's, it just hurts. 
Oh, I'm sure it does. And I, I, well, it does. I mean, it is hurting us. Most of us are ignorant to how something like that hurts us, but that, I mean, I don't know, maybe this next question will help you determine whether or not you want to share that photo. This is from Dana. She says, I can remember back some years when someone had gone to a bee place and destroyed all of the hives they could. It went under the radar, but I was really frightened and frustrated that no one was truly concerned at how serious that was. Why weren't and aren't more people being informed about how connected this whole world is? Yeah, so the vandalism of hives happens way more than I think any human wants to admit. And I I really don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand, like, why it's such a a thing to do. Um, It could be anywhere from, like, it could be um, kids. A lot of times they'll be, like, these I don't know, I'm going to call them punks, driving in, like, huge trucks, and they'll just drive their trucks through bee yards and, like, totally run over and demolish and smash um, all these hives. So I don't, I guess I don't understand the appeal behind that. Um, It's absolutely devastating uh, being a beekeeper. I mean, not only are you killing the bees, but uh, things that people don't think about is how much money we have in the equipment alone and replacement of all of those things and i mean i know it's just a bug but like it's a live it's a live thing and you're killing it and you're ruining its home and like that's really hard for me to see too i mean you might as well just go hit a dog with your truck i mean it's it's still a living thing and yeah so as far as you know why aren't more people notified of this kind of thing I really don't know. I actually like try really hard to do education on bees. And another thing I want to talk about later is our adopt a hive program. Um, But as far as like, so for the, so states, certain states recognize bees as livestock and other states don't. So Iowa is a state that does not recognize bees as livestock. So if you think about it as livestock, Let's say, you know, Farmer Joe loses 100 head of cattle. That's a really big deal. He's going to get reimbursed by his insurance company. Um, People in the town are going to know about it. It's going to be a really big deal. If you lose 100 hives, which I think is just as devastating, uh, no insurance. Nobody probably even knows about it because that's just a normal thing for a beekeeper because there's so many outside elements that affect you keeping bees. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why more people don't know well, about it. Well, I mean, and I think there are certain groups that are making progress in sharing more information of the plight of the bees. But in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to competing with the noise of everything else in the world that needs attention, it's probably – you know, there's just not enough dollars there <laughs> to really help right. us stand out, even though they are so critical to our food supply. So, I mean, you know, there 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 has been information out there about, you know, how the food supply is impacted because there are no bees 
um, there aren't enough bees. And it was a blip in the news for a while, but then that's kind of been brushed to the wayside. You did have the bee movie um, where Jerry Seinfeld plays the voice of the main character. I don't know if any of you saw that, but that movie is even several years old now. And the whole purpose of that movie was to call more attention to the plight of the bees. It was kind of from a, from a different perspective, but at the end of the day, it's still you know, was bringing attention to how critical bees are to the world. So, I mean, there have been some things here and there, um, but just nothing consistent on a huge scale, I would say. Um, the information is still out there, but you have to understand that you need to be looking for it in order to yeah. really find it. I think it's Yeah, I think it's because people don't, nobody's actually felt, you know, nobody's actually felt what it would be like to not have bees. So nobody actually understands how devastating it could be. Okay, but if yeah. you, like, look at those pictures of the grocery store where it's, like, um, you know, your grocery store and then your grocery store without bees, and there's only, like, maybe two things of produce instead of, like, the full produce section. But even then, like, yep. that doesn't actually put it into perspective because you're not actually starving, you know, so no. I just feel like and nobody that's, has I mean, actually I think felt that's the really Because we're still living in such a land of abundance, we just don't get it. Until, and until it's actually mm-hmm. going to be too late, will we probably ever get it. Right. Right. Because we'll still always have processed food of some sort, and people will still no. have life, but I can't say that <laughs> we'll be living when all we can eat is our items from a box and we won't have produce. We won't have vegetables. We won't have, you know, (laughs) so, you know, until that happens, it's really not going to probably make the impact that it needs. But now is the time to make a difference. By the time it's too late, it's just going to be too late. Yeah. That's my two cents on it anyway. So, and, you know, believe it or not, we've only got about 15 minutes left of the show. So why don't Uh, we go ahead, Sarah, talk about, I know, isn't that crazy? Why don't we go ahead and talk about your (laughs) Adopt-A-Hive program now? Oh, sure. So um, right now we're doing an Adopt-A-Hive program. So basically it's, I want to say, kind of like a CSA for the bees. Um, What it is, is for $350 for the year, um, you will get a hive. So our welcome package will be um, information about the bees. It'll be like you get to name your queen, um, and then you get the hive box. So as a family or as an office or whatever, you get to decorate the hive box um, however you'd like. And then that is actually going to be where the bees are living. So we'll get that hive box back and we'll put the bees in it in April if the weather ever gets nice. Um, And then also in that welcome package, you get a bunch of goodies that we make with our honey or our beeswax. So some of the products may include um, the sugar scrub. We have our beeswax lip balm, um, our honey, lavender soap trying to think of what else there is our doggy paw wax um, well you have um yep you have honey honey and whipped honey yes our creamed honey is a huge hit so yes it'll come with the regular honey and the creamed honey as well 
Um, and then so that's going to be your welcome package. And then every month for the rest of the year, you get you get a pound of our honey. And then um, in the summertime, if you're local, you'll get to come out and see your hive in person. We'll suit you up. We'll take the hive apart, show you your queen. Uh, we'll show you all the things on the frame, the brood, where they're storing honey. It'll be like a really cool, you'll get to dive in and see it all firsthand. Um, and we'll take a picture holding the bees if you want. So that's kind of cool. Um, so that is for a full year of adopting a hive. Very cool. So, and I may have been talking over Sarah. So they also do a uh, a honey paw wax for the pads of your oh dog the doggy paw wax. Yes, yeah. the yeah. doggy paw wax. They also have a lotion. They have a hand cream. I don't know if that comes in your kit or not, but they make that out yeah. of honey. Yes. I think. Our- um, the beeswax, actually, for the lotion bar. Bees and then wax. we also do our okay. our bees wrap. So that's going to be a plastic yep. wrap alternative. It is cotton fabric soaked in beeswax. So, you know, we're all about zero waste, too. So no plastic. You can use the, the bees wrap. Um, so those are just some of the things uh-huh. you'll find in our, our welcome package. And if you want to read Very more on cool. it, you can on our website, uh, holtonhomestead.com. That's H-O-L-T-O-N, homestead.com. And there's a whole page on the Adopt-A-Hive if you want to read more. All right, there you have it. And so Brett says, I am getting quite the education from this show, so glad that uh, you're enjoying it, Brett. This uh, One of our last questions here is going to be from Jake P., He's saying or asking the food chain, where do bees fall into it? Oh, I don't even know how to answer that. Like, what <laughs> eats the bees? Um, no. Where, what I role mean, do the, the, the bees play in the food chain, so our food? Okay, well, it's a pretty huge role. So any plant that needs pollinating so that can be anything from your melons I mean your cucumbers your almonds your citrus your blueberries tomatoes anything green beans yes well and you know actually a honeybee can't pollinate a tomato the only bee that can pollinate a tomato is a bumblebee (laughs) oh wow well there you go there's that fun fact for you okay Um, but it's still a bee it is still a bee Um, but it's a bumblebee so yes all of those Food items, I know there's a ton more that I didn't specifically list. And then also your honey. So a huge part in our in our food. Yep. So basically any flowering plant that needs it to flower in order to produce, so like your apple trees also, basically yep. your fruit trees. Yep. I, I'm not an expert, but I'm just saying what I think sounds like it would make sense. Um, those require a yeah, and if they have flowers, so or not a bumblebee, a honeybee, it requires a bee, and if those flowers don't get pollinated, then there's no there's no fruit, there's no seed, there's yeah, no whatever that plant was trying to grow. Exactly. So Amber? just a side note on how important it is, uh, before we moved here, our neighbors have always had a garden, but they told us they had the best gardens after we got our bees. So that just shows you, like, wow. that pollination is huge. Yeah. Yep. 
So, and there you have it. And plus, guys, all the flowers. So even just think, you know, anything you plant in your landscaping, anything you buy from a florist, there's no flowers without bees. There's there's no yep. none of that. So no killing so the bees, bees. Guys. Yeah, Mind your no bees, killing the bees. <laughs> Let Mind those dandelions grow. Let those dandelions grow. We've got a new hashtag, a new cause. Save the dandelions. Love your bees. Save the dandelions. <laughs> Okay, so real quick, oh, you've given us such a tremendous education about bees and honey and some of yes. the products that come from the bees. But as a homesteader, you do so much more than just the bees and honey. So can you just kind of give us a quick rundown of some of the other things that you offer as well? Yeah, absolutely. So in the summer, we have a quarter acre garden. Um, we do a lot of root crops, so radish, beets, carrots, uh, we do lettuce, uh, kale, peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, all that good stuff. I know I'm missing some things, but your typical garden, quarter acre. Uh, I, I love my herbs, too, so we do a lot of herbs. Um, we also have a lot of poultry. We have chickens, ducks, geese, turkeys. Uh, we raise rabbits. For meat, um, I know a lot of you health people know that rabbit is super lean, and domestic raised rabbit it does not taste gamey, so it kind of tastes like chicken. So we raise rabbit for meat. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> I know, I know people think we're crazy. Um, I also Bumper. do, <laughs> I do a lot of like natural remedies. So right now is flu season. I do elderberry tonic, a.k.a. elderberry syrup, um, to help you stay flu-free. Um, I do tinctures and all kinds of natural remedies. Uh, I do natural care products, so deodorants, soaps, lotions, lip balms, bath bombs. I do shampoo bar, pretty much anything that I wanted to try but didn't want all the, like, you know, coloring or parabens or chemicals or any of that stuff, um, then I, I want to make it myself and know what's in it, and then I just offer it to everyone else, so that kind of stuff. And then I do vintage cast iron, because what kind of homestead is complete without cast iron? Um, so I, I'm a cast iron junkie. That's pretty much all we have for cookware here. And I will tell you that the vintage stuff is definitely the way to go. So I bring all of the old stuff back to life. I hoard the good stuff for myself and sell a lot of other <laughs> stuff, too. <laughs> um, um, we also do an egg delivery route. So every Monday we're delivering to about 30 local families here in town. I just I go constantly. I also have two part-time jobs. I don't sleep. <laughs> oh, and I have a I have a pig named Carl. So if you're on Facebook, you gotta like our page just so you can see Carl because he's hilarious. Um, and I'm gonna get in trouble if I don't do a shout out to my BFF Brooke, who does all of my farm work for me when I'm busy. So hey, Brooke. <laughs> Yeah, awesome, that's, awesome. that's the homestead. 
That is a homestead. And I'm not even sure if you know this, and I haven't really had a chance to look into it. I don't even know if the research is out there. But, I mean, how would you say homesteading and the small farms are are growing? Is this a trend that we're seeing more and more, or is it just kind of here and there? I mean, being in that niche yourself, what what kind of growth are you seeing in this in this type of profession? Yeah, I'm seeing huge growth, and I'm seeing huge growth in people who are in like their early 30s, late 20s. Like, I feel like we all just want to get away from all of like big agriculture. Like, you know, for me personally, it was I want to know what's going into my body. So, just having more control over that, I think that's a big part of it. And it's totally been such a huge movement and just being in it. I've met so many people that are like, you know, my age trying to do the exact same thing, you know, maybe not to sell to everybody, but doing it for themselves. It's really become a huge thing, I would say. And, you know, maybe not as broad as us, but a lot more people are raising their own backyard chickens or, you know, just here and there, smaller things. All right, very cool. Kaylin, any last thoughts on the show on show topic tonight? Uh, just blown away with all this information. It's, it's really something to hear. Like, wow. I know, <laughs> but it's so very cool, and I'm so glad to know that, um, you know, that things like this are going on. So, Sarah, I think that is totally awesome. So, guys, on Facebook, check out the Holton Homestead. Um, it's HoltonHomestead.com. If you tried to check it out earlier and the site was down, it is back up now. So I do think so many of you out there went to uh, go see what the hubbub was about. But uh, if you weren't able to get on before, you are able to get back on now. So thanks for checking her out and showing the love. And, you know, we have opportunities. We're always talking about we being Kaylin, always talking about health, talking about your body, talking about the things that you put into it. You do have options. So, you know, if you've never been to a farmer's market in your area, if they have them, go check them out. They're worth going to at least once. Lots of great stuff out there. It's natural. It's fresh. It's great tasting. Sometimes you don't really know how good food can taste until you taste it fresh. And I don't even mean from a grocery store because even in a grocery store, those vegetables probably have been cut and shipped, you know, 30 to 60 days prior. And so they're not really truly fresh. They are fresh, but they're as fresher than that. So, you know, there there is a whole food experience out there waiting for you. And if you don't know how to cook it, there are resources that can help you understand that too. So with that being said, Sarah, last thoughts for us tonight. I'm just like overwhelmed. You guys are so awesome and I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast. So thank you for everyone. I know this isn't your typical topic, but I really appreciate everyone who asked a question and everybody who listened. It's great to be a part of this. So thank you guys so much. Hey, thank you, and keep doing what you're doing, and keep taking care of those bees, woman. <laughs> do. Save the bees. <laughs> save the bees. Save the dandelions. Save the bees. Save the dandelions. Save the bees. <laughs>
Eat oh, your honey. Shoot. All right, KP, keep your honey. All right, dude, you got enough for a, a snickerdoodle shout-out? Snickerdoodle honey-flavored. <laughs> hey, maybe that's something you need to pitch to the p for p boy. So on half of homesteaders, dandelions, bees, and uh, snickerdoodle honey flavor <laughs> everywhere, the boys from p for p muscle, Kaylin and myself, your body is a temple, so let's build it. What honey-flavored snickerdoodle? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.